And welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling here with y'all as always. Kicking off the show tonight with a little... Actually, today's whole show will be just some fun topics to talk about. Um, because next week, uh, next, I believe it's next Thursday, is when I have it pinpointed down to... I don't have a calendar pulled up here, but I believe it's next Thursday. I'm going to go ahead and start doing some early conference previews. Uh, So that will be uh, Tuesday, Thursdays now. As we get through all of these, uh, will be conference previews. Um, Go through every conference. Um, Granted, a conference doesn't cancel the spring season from now and when... It's time to do the show, um, uh, 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 look at that conference, but uh, we'll start doing conference previews starting next week. Uh, next Thursday, I believe, is when I'm going to start that. Sundays will still be the mailbag episodes. And a uh, quick reminder, you can email your mailbag questions to contact at lacrossebucket.com. You can also DM them on Twitter at lacrosse bucket uh, that's the same for instagram and facebook as well uh, my personal twitter is at tanner underscore dimling you can dm me uh questions there uh, on all, all of those mediums you can dm questions to be read on the mailbag i've already got a couple this week uh probably gonna take about five six more uh, for sunday's show uh gonna go a little longer on Sunday, uh, decided today, uh, you know, didn't go as long on Tuesday, might go a bit long today, not sure, uh, we're two minutes in here now, and, uh, guess it's time to get to the meat of things here, and, um, you know, this is something that I've been asked about over the past week, uh, consistently, um, I have not commented at all on this until now. Um, and I, I want to preface this by saying, like, this this kind of stuff is just conversation. It's fun to do. It's fun to talk about. Um, and, yeah, it, it, it's just fun. Like, it, there's no, like, yes, a lot of it is pretty accurate. But for the most part, it's just fun conversation. It's a conversational topic. Guys, it's it's December. Um, I'm getting word of certain programs maybe not playing from all, like, all day long. Um, I'm getting word of schedules coming out, you know, this date. Uh, schedules coming out this date. Um, so we're about to get a lot of news here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, certainly after the holidays will be a pretty big dump of news. I would expect from just from what I'm hearing, um, we will have some, I expect before the holidays, but afterwards, like talking early January, we will have a lot. And by then, we will know what a spring season will look like. 
Will it start February 1? Will it start March 1? I don't know. But we will know sooner than, uh, sooner rather than later. Now, fun topic I was talking about. That would be the inside lacrosse 2021 top 50 players in college lacrosse list. Now, again, I don't take too much stock in these kinds of things. You shouldn't either. Um, you know, if your favorite player is ranked where you think he should be, um, or she, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, yay. If, uh, you take issue with something, you know, discuss it. Uh, but what I always say with these kinds of lists are, and with all American lists as well, any kind of list, if you are going to take someone off or move someone up or down, who are you putting in their place? You can't just say, so um, Chris Gray is number five, okay? You can't just, you, you, you can't just uh, DM me on Twitter and say inside lacrosse is insane. Chris Gray is not the number five player in the country. He should be 20th. Okay, well, who are you putting in his place? TD Irwin is four. Jeff T is eight. You moving Jeff T up? Those two girls, Kate, uh, Katie Hogue out of UNC and Jamie Ortega out of UNC, that are six and seven, moving one of them up. Who, who are you putting at? Who are you putting at five? Um, so, you know, anytime you're moving someone up or down a list or taking them off, you have to put someone in that spot. So you can't just argue they need to be off. Well, okay, who are you putting on there? At the, no, it's always how I preface these kinds of discussions. Is you can take someone off, you gotta put someone on, tell me who's better, who should be in that spot, or who's worse should be in that spot. Um, I guess in, in, in these cases. Um so the first thing, and I mentioned those two girls in between, uh so just by the sheer nature of what the games are, you can't put them on the same list. Uh, there needs to be separate list because and look, I, I don't, I don't watch the girls' game at all. Um, I've watched maybe five girls' college lacrosse games my entire life. Never watched a full game, never. Um, I believe. Well, I did watch the national title game a few years ago, and that was probably two years ago. And that was probably the first full game I've ever watched. Um, so, one, I'm not informed enough to say um, myself this, you know, to, to rank these men's and women's players on the same list. If I'm not, then, and, and I'm not saying that the people who, I don't know who made this list, whatever. They were obviously informed enough to make this list. But most people are not informed enough to 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 comment on something like this. As far as the men's and women's players being on the same list is concerned, if this was an entirely men's list, yeah, I I, I would comment on this. I I could give a much better take on this. 
Um, but I, I can't because it's it's men's and women's players. And I don't know half these girls on here. I mean, I know the girl at uh, Boston, Charlotte North. Like, that's the only, only girls lacrosse player that I even recognize the name. The only one. I have no clue who any of these other people are. No clue. Absolutely no clue. So, again, I'm not going to sit here, and I know some people wanted me to, wanted me to, you know, tell me who I thought should be higher or lower or whatever. I'm, I'm not going to do that just because I don't know where these girls would go. I, but I can tell you there are a couple people left off this list that if it was an entirely men's list, they would be on. Uh, the clear two people to me left off this list that would not be left off if it were a all-boys list is DeHogan Anacoke and Gerardo Sally. Both of them are left off this list for God knows why. Um, well, we know why. I just said why. But it, it, this... I mean, come on. This is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, like, yeah, Asher Nolting is the 50th best college lacrosse player. Give me a break. Give me a break. This is last year when they announced this, and I, I know they did put last year. They, uh, I cannot remember. So they did this last year as well. And they they explained why they put um, they explained why they did did a one list for both. And after I read that, I, I no, I could respect their decision after reading that last year. But I wasn't certainly going to agree with it, and I'm certainly not going to agree with it now. I mean, this is... It's ridiculous. Again, they're two different games entirely. Entirely. And I should mention, uh, Jared Bernhardt is left off this list um, due to him. You know, I, He's not listed on Maryland's roster right now. There is no number one for Maryland right now. Um, I think he's waiting on if Ferris State plays football this spring. If they don't, he could come back. I, you know, I, I really don't know what's going on with that situation. Um, but he's left off this list. I mean, you know, it's it's whatever, man. It's it it's whatever. It's a it's a it's a tragedy. It's a it's a travesty. Um, that, that you got to do that. But, I mean, I think it's ridiculous. I think it's pathetic. I think it's low. Um, I mean, it's, come on. Um, to put a list out like that and, you know, m the majority of the lacrosse world only focuses on one, um, one game, the men's or the women's game. 
Like the majority of people only watch one. So you put in a list out that the people making the list are informed on, but ain't nobody else informed on that because nobody watches both. I mean, there are people who do, but not many. Not many, at least that I know, that watch both and are quote-unquote like educated in both. So that's my little take on uh, that little experiment, um, disgrace, whatever you want to call it, that Inside Lacrosse put out. Now, something else I want to talk about today, and I mentioned we'd have two fun topics today, um, and we'd go a bit longer than last week, and we're about 15 minutes in here already. Last uh, uh, Tuesday went about 25 minutes, so uh, almost, <laughs> almost as short, uh, but Second topic I want to talk about here, um, and this is actually a question I got in the uh, on on a Instagram DM the other day, and um, pertaining to the Tarleton Award, and if a defenseman or a goalie, so they asked me if a goalie or a defenseman had ever uh, been a finalist. And I was like, yeah, it, it, it's, I responded to them. I said, yeah, you know, it's, it's happened before. Um, and I actually, I sent them cause I wrote this article back in July, July 1st titled, what would it take for a defenseman goalie to win the Twilton? Um, and you know, the first kind of introduction piece, I talked about how, you know, it's Twilton started in 2001. It's supposed to go to the best player, but much like the Heisman Trophy in football, it has been going to the best attackman. Football, obviously, the quarterback, but you get what I'm saying there. Um, It's been going to the best attackman for the majority of its existence. Um... The women's side has seen both a goalie and a defenseman win, but it's only happened once. The men's side, it has never happened. The last defenseman to be named a finalist was Matt Landis out of Notre Dame in 2016. And then the last goalie was John Galloway in 2011 from Syracuse. Princeton's Trevor Tierney was a finalist that first year that they had it in 2001. Um, So, obviously not much recognition, representation from the defensive side of the field. And, um, you know, I I mean, I've even had people tell me they need an offensive Tarleton and a defensive Tarleton. I'm not a fan of that. Um, I think that a defenseman or a goalie could win the award, but it will take these like these criteria. This criteria is going to, especially in today's game, those five points that they've got to hit. I think if you hit all, maybe four of these five, maybe three of these five, but if you hit these five, you will win, uh, will be in contention in the conversation 
conversation of a 12-time award, even if you are a goalie or a defenseman. So, first one is playing the NCAA tournament. Un- it's unfortunate, but that's been a given in the in 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 this entire thing. Like, I don't think there's ever yeah no right here in the article. No player has ever won the award and not led their team to at least the NCAA quarterfinals. No, no player has ever won the award without making at least the NCAA quarterfinals. The second round. Um, I don't remember 2001. Quarterfinals might have been the first round still then. Uh, but, you know, obviously in this modern game, uh, modern tournament, Second round is the quarters. Second point you got to hit on is um, got to be the face of the franchise. And you know, here in the article, I, I look at you know 2011 Syracuse, and then Georgetown in like 2005, because those were the two teams where I associate. A person on the defensive side of the ball most with those teams. 2011, John Galloway uh, and Joel White as well. And then Brody Merrill with uh, those Georgetown teams in the 2000s. And I associate those guys with those teams more than anybody else. Like they, are the, they were the face of the franchise during that time at their respective school. So if you're going to win a Toroton and not be an attackman, not be a midfielder, uh, you've got to be the face of the franchise. And the midfielder hasn't won the award in a while as well. Um, There's been a lot of attackmen recently. Um, You know, you've got to be the face of the franchise. The face of the franchise. Um, And, you you know, attackmen and... Midfielders, you know, people drool all over how many goals and assists you have. Um, but, and they will do that before they even mention a defenseman or a goalie. Uh, very, very few times where a goalie or a defenseman is mentioned before a offensive player. So you got to be the face of the franchise. If you're not the face of the franchise you essentially have no shot of winning the award. And there's been some great, great defensemen recently. I mentioned Matt Land is probably the best defenseman in recent history um, that were good defensemen. And Matt Landis, Notre Dame is a defensive-minded team. They've, that's been the culture there for a while. So I would say he was maybe the face of the franchise. Um, you had Matt Cavanaugh there as well um, on, on that offense. Um, and some other guys there as well. Vito Garnsey was there. Uh, although I think that might have been his freshman year, so I don't know. I can't remember what exactly he did that year, but I know he was there as well. Um, no, so be the face of the franchise. Three, there's a third point here. Outshine the competition. A defenseman or a goalie is looking to win the Toyota Award will need the other finalists who will likely be midfielders and attackmen or attackmen um, to be seen as lesser than them. Like, in, in essence, you have got to outshine 
the other elite guys in the country. Like, if I told you right now to name the five elite guys in the country, they'd all be offensive players. Now, personally, I would put Jared Connors in that list because I think he's the best. I think he is pound for pound the best player in the country um, at what he does. Obviously, I think Michael Salas is the best player. No arguing that. Just talked about that list. But I do know. Me, personally, I would put Jared Connors in that discussion. Again, talking Twilleton here. You know, Matt Landis, 2016. He had 28 ground balls, 17 cost turnovers. And he averaged... Uh, and he led a Notre Dame defense that averaged 7.96 goals allowed per game. He also had that tag as the reigning Schmeiser Award winner next to his name. But at the end of the day, that none of that mattered. Because he was up there on the stage with Dylan Malloy, who won it, Miles Jones, and Connor Canazero, as well as Ben Leeds. So I had five finalists that year. He's only all those other guys, Moore's an attackman, Canazero an attackman, Leaves an attackman, Miles Jones a midfielder. All those guys outshined Matt Landis, even though he was the best defenseman in the country, one of the most outstanding players in the country. Similarly, you know, twenty eleven, uh, John Galloway, he set the world on fire, had a fifty seven per uh percent save percentage, and a 6.70 goals against average. Now, this is pre-shot clock era, uh, obviously. Um, that's another theory I have is, I think a lot of people have mentioned this, is goalie numbers are going to go up in the shot clock era. Uh, we've seen that uh, pretty consistently through the first couple seasons. Uh, we'll see how this year goes. Um, and, you know, Galloway, back to Galloway here, you know, he had, he also had, previous accolades to his name as well. But none of that, none of what John Galloway did was going to top Steel Stanwick. Steel Stanwick, I've argued before, is one of the most complete, complete playmaking attackmen of the past decade. Like, and when I mean complete, I mean uh, he can score, he can pass, he can like, he can do everything, not equally, but he's balanced. Uh, Stanwick had 70 points, 32 goals, and 38 assists. And, you know, seemingly that storybook run that he took Virginia on. And that was not, you know, John Galloway was not going to top steal Stanwick. Number four, so this is the fourth of five points. And in the article, I have transition, transition, transition. In the shot clock era, obviously, you've got to clear the ball quicker downfield than ever before. Because of this, defensive players must be able to like, at least initiate the clear or a fast break, like on the fly, with precision, and it's got to be consistent. Like the best, and if you watch this, and you see us a lot in high school now too, the best defense defensive players are also the guys 
that have the best stick skills and can take it upfield. Back in the day, you had dudes that were just kind of out there bullying people. Uh, they'd get the ball and just kind of chuck it down the field, right? And you had guys that could go coast to coast that had great stick skills, obviously. But that's becoming uh, more of a demand of defensemen than it ever has been, especially at the college game in the shot clock era. So defense players who can take it coast to coast, um, Jared Connors, uh, B.J. Farrar, two LSMs, obviously. Um, Chris Fake has taken it up the field a couple times, uh, one of the best defensemen in the country. Uh, J.T. Giles Harris is a guy that comes to mind. Kobe Smith uh, is kind of a – they use him as like a pseudo LSM, really a close defenseman. They put him on the wings as well, though. Um you know, you've got to be able to do that. You've got to be able to go coast to coast, either get a goal, assist, or get a hockey assist. And I think, a lot of times I think offensive-minded poles are overlooked or underappreciated from a narrative perspective on the offensive end because you see what they can do on Defense more than more so than anything, um, and you got Jared Connors. I think is kind of breaking that, not stigma, but he's kind of opening the eye, opening the eyes of a lot of people of like, okay, what what can really happen? You know, Larkin Kemp is another guy that comes to mind of a similar kind of player that can could push transition uh, like no like 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 no one's business. Um, and, and still be an elite defenseman. Um, you know, and obviously in this article, talking in this podcast here, talking about defensemen and goalies, um, the transition aspect isn't as important for goalies, obviously, um, but they've got to be smart with the ball in the clearing game. Like if you, there's a couple guys that come, Dylan Ward, obviously in the box game, I think is one of the best uh, clears of the ball. And, you know, you've got to be kind of that precise. And Dylan Ward, obviously, good at that in the field game as well. Um, you know, you know, you don't need to be going full-on boys rooting, you know, throwing box fakes with a goalie stick and scoring, um, you know, getting on uh, sports center top 10. Uh, we, we don't need those kinds of plays from goalies. But, you know, be nice if you could do that. You know, every game, obviously, it's not going to happen. But, um would be nice. Um, fifth point here. Fifth point. Must be the talk of the town. This is a bit like the face of the franchise kind of tag that I, uh, point that I made earlier. So, you know, a player who, and when I mean talk of the town, I don't mean like you play for Towson. You're the talk of Towson, Maryland. I'm talking the, the, the you dominate the storyline of college across. Last year's storyline, what did it revolve around? Michael Sowers. This year's storyline, what's it going to revolve around? It's like the biggest one. Michael Sowers going to Duke. Okay. It's an offensive player. It's an offensive player. Uh, you know, Jeff T coming back, you know, playing for the Ivy League that they have a season. So we get to see that. Um, you know, so if you're a defensive player or a goalie, You've got to dominate the discussion, dominate the storyline of college across. Obviously, if you're the face of the franchise, you will dominate the discussion around your team. 
But if you can dominate that discussion of the entire college lacrosse world, not many defensemen have done that. Or players on the defensive end, you know, and just in general, but there have been some. Uh, you know, Brody Merrill demanded the spotlight when, uh, you know, with his play. Uh, but no defensive player has ever been able to demand that spotlight enough to flip the script, completely take home the Tualatin Award. Some have been close, but no defenseman or goalie has ever been able to completely seal the deal. Um, Gunnar Walt, I think, I remember when I was doing research for this article, there was an article in the Baltimore Sun on how Gunnar Walt got uh, snubbed of a Tualatin. And I'm like, what? Remember Gunnar Walt played at um, at Bryant, was on that team that beat Syracuse, and uh, you know I never, I don't remember any Tualatin snub talk of him ever. Um, but I, I, I guess some people felt that way. Some people felt felt some kind of way about it. Um, he's a great player, by the way. Though I think he's still playing in the MLL a little bit. Uh, great player. So kind of bringing things back around here. Five points to win a, the Tualatin as a or a defenseman or goalie needs to hit to win the Tualatin. Play in the NCAA tournament. I think that's a given for any player. Two, they got to be the face of the franchise. You cannot let your star attackman be the face of the franchise. You've got to be the face of your team. Three, outshine the competition. So your play has got to show that you are better than the other three to four, five candidates um, in the running for the twelve turn that are most likely attackmen or midfielders. Transition, you've got to be able to capitalize in the transition game, whether as a goal scorer, a passer, a picker, um, you know, playing off ball well, um, just got to play well in transition. Watch Jared Connor's film, and you'll you'll know what I you'll know what I mean by that. Um, he does a great job of off ball movement and transition. Number five, got to be the talk of the town. Dominate the, the dominate the discussion of college lacrosse. The college lacrosse world must revolve around the storyline that involves you. A defenseman or a goalie. So that is that's that, and that is today's show. Talked a little top fifty IL list. Arcelli Dehoka. I'm sorry, y'all should have been on there, but they had to mess things up and put boys and girls on the same list. The games ain't the same. You can't do it. 12-10, defenseman or goalie, it's going to happen when? I don't know, but I do predict that it will happen. And I'm going to tell you what, it ain't going to be this year. But 2020 um, has been a weird year. If that light continues, we okay, we could see. We, 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 we could see maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, as always, guys. Thank you all for listening in. You can find the podcast on Apple uh, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, 
uh, Google Podcast, any of those, uh, Apple Podcasts, please leave a, a five-star uh, rating and a review, if you will. Uh, again, Sunday Mailbag will be, again, on Sunday, um, but we will start the conference preview series next week. Sundays will still stay uh, Sunday Mailbag um, all the way up until the first week of the season. And then we'll do some like recap and stuff on Sundays. But until then, Sundays will remain a mailbag day for the podcast. Again, you can send in your questions to the mailbag. Contact at lacrossebucket.com. Also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at lacrossebucket. My personal Twitter at Tanner underscore Demling. You can send them in. Uh, through any of those channels. Again, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you all on Sunday with another Mailbag Edition.